everyone welcome back to old soul podcast my name is brie that's spelled b-r-e-i thank you so much today's film discussion is going to be about the movie holes that was released in 2003 rated pg and it has a runtime of an hour and 57 minutes this film is under the umbrella of a disney film it was released by Disney, obviously, years ago, and I do remember watching this film several times as a kid. It's just been a very long time since I've watched it again, and I was very thoroughly surprised that with this recent watch that I did still enjoy the film, and so that's why I'm doing a commentary over it. I do want to note that I am really surprised that Disney released this movie even for 2003 because of the themes that it tackles and it's not necessarily tackling those themes in a graphic way where there's like gore and blood and super extreme methods of violence shown on screen but it's still surprising that Disney was like yeah we're gonna release this and still talk about those themes, whether they're somewhat sugar-coated or there's sort of a, a masking of things in the way that they deliver it on screen. But I just wanted to start with that because I thought it was really interesting that this is a Disney movie. And I kind of love that it's it was made out of the confines of what Disney usually does for their films. And I wonder if we'll ever be able to see movies like that from Disney. I do know there is a history of Disney having collaboration with certain films. Uh, that's technically under their umbrella, but you know, they might not be like Disney, Disney, Disney like they do with a lot more of their animated films and kid-friendly films. But still, when people think Disney, they don't think of holes. They think of Frozen or, you know, all those sort of musical-esque animation films. Usually, they think of Mickey Mouse. That's a whole other spiral of things. If we start getting into the history of Disney himself, like Walt Disney, that's a whole other world, but I'm just saying in the most surface level basis, it was a really interesting uh, movie to watch under the company of Disney and sort of wondering, hmm, I wonder how this passed, and I wonder how this got rated PG, and you know, things like that. So the story starts with this sort of background of the main character's family, and we're in their apartment. There is Stanley, who's the main character, and his mother, his father, and his grandfather. His dad seems to be like this entrepreneur. I guess that's the best title we could give him. He is trying to find like a solution for foot odor or shoe odor and he's experimenting and seems to have been experimenting for quite a while. His family is basically living in a cluttered apartment. They seem to have be going through financial difficulties but they're still supporting each other you know the house always smells because the dad's always testing on things they don't have much but they have each other sort of feel and Stanley is the only child 
he seems to be very close-knit to his family and loves them pretty dearly. And I'd say Stanley's probably a teenager. I don't really know what age I could give him, but he's definitely in the teenage range. And the story goes into sort of the sequence where Stanley's walking somewhere, presumably walking home or about to go home or somewhere. And these pair of shoes are like thrown over and they hit him. They're thrown like over a bridge and they hit him. Um, for Stanley, in his perspective, it's sort of like he's just walking and then he gets hit by a pair of shoes, to be more specific. And he picks them up, kind of expect inspecting them. And he hears these sirens in the back and when he realizes that those sirens are going toward him, he starts to get scared, he starts running, and they're, he's realizing, yeah, they're actually coming for me. I don't know why, I didn't do anything wrong. And later we see, uh, I believe the cops coming to his house and like the family explaining like he doesn't have anything to hide. And these shoes are connected to like a famous celebrity who donated those shoes. I think he was an athlete. And they, you know, he had, Stanley has all this celebrities posters and they're like, oh, you're a fan of this guy? And these really famous shoes that are donated just happen to have fallen into your lap. You know, they're not really buying it, but also Stanley did not steal them, so it's, it's inconvenient to say the least. But either way, he gets pushed into going to court. Obviously, he has to go to court and sort of stand up for himself and build, they build a case against him. And ultimately, he's forced to go to a camp for young teens. Specifically, this camp only has young boys, so there's no girls or anything like that and he's forced to go to the camp even though he did nothing wrong but it seems like back home the family's like building a case to get him out and I think he was sentenced there for 18 months it's quite a while but I don't think he ends up serving that full amount of time and you'll see why so he ends up going to the camp uh, I think he's sitting on the bus and he has sort of this weird vision where he sees this guy as he's sitting on the bus and the bus is like going toward the camp and he kind of looks and then there's no one there. So this is when we start to see sort of ghost-like otherworldly concepts and memories coming into the film and there are aspects of this film that are present with Stanley's story, past with Stanley's connection to his like great-great-great-grandfather, however many greats there are and that connection to what their family calls a curse. They believe that the family is cursed and this is kind of interesting because it does this sort of magical, mysterious, like, curse thing, which is something that's very on brand for Disney, but it's not super cutesy or childish. It's just like, this family really feels like they're cursed, they know they're cursed, and indeed we find out that they pretty much are cursed for a specific reason and they're all interconnected in this present and past and they're trying to build a future outside of this camp life that really sucks Stanley in right away. So it's very layered and that's intriguing to me. He arrives at the camp, no one likes him, <laughs> he's the new guy, he's replacing the other guy who in the beginning of the film gets bit by something. I can't remember if it was a snake or if it was one of those lizard creatures. 
that he's warned about, Stanley's warned about, like, right as he gets there. Either way, he replaces someone, and because there was an open spot, and that's why he ultimately ends up going to the camp. So, he's at the camp, he's given the rundown of what goes on, he finds out soon enough that the warden is a woman, which is interesting to me, because yes, they have a woman as sort of the villain, and also like the head of the camp, which is kind of cool to me. I really like her character, not in the sense that I like her as a person or would like be friends with her, but I just think she's really influential and gives the movie a lot of agency. And I like seeing female characters that have something other than being pretty and following a guy. That's refreshing. And so Stanley is having a hard time. He's telling his mother one thing through these letters that he's sending her and that he's receiving from her that, you know, it's like summer camp. I've never been to camp before. It's great. It's fun. But really, he's really taken down by these elements just like all the other teen boys are. The heat, the lizards, and the bullying, harassment, exploitation, and lies of these adults who are in charge of the camp. So I'm not really going to go into their names. Should I go into their names? Well, there's Mr. Sir, who's the one who really gives Stanley the briefing, and they literally call him Mr. Sir. He basically does a little of everything and he's in charge of like this little truck that has this giant jug of water and he checks in on the guys and gives them their water and walks around like he's, you know, the top-notch guy. And then there's uh, the doctor who is supposedly like the counselor where they can tell their, you know, feelings and emotions to and that's like supposed to be technically a part of the program so this camp is supposed to be like a rehabilitation program specifically for young teen boys who have gone into some issues and they can come here and basically dig these holes as a way to think about what they've done and sort of you know make them think about what they've done and take responsibility and grow as individuals but there's a darker and more intertwined connection to this camp to Stanley than he even realizes and they give him the nickname caveman and they all all the characters I mean when I say they they all have their own nicknames and titles I think one zero is another main character that's gonna come into play but his name is really Hector and you know Stanley gets called caveman I believe and there's there was one character named armpit it's just they give each other nicknames and they don't like going by their government names and anytime they're called by their government names they get attitudes about it and i just think it's funny <laughs> when they're trying to like be someone else for a little while and i also feel like it's very childlike for you know to be giving each other nicknames and like really being so serious about the nicknames i think it's quite lovely and so there's that and the boys are really hard on stanley you know teasing him making fun of the fact that in the beginning he doesn't really dig his holes very quickly. In fact, he doesn't actually get better at digging the holes. He gets help, but you know, he's not really adjusting as well as he would hope with the shower situation, the, the uniforms, the dust, all of it's just a lot for anyone, I'm sure. 
especially for someone new. And so that happens and when, at some point when Stanley kind of opens up about why he's there, I think the guys might have even asked him at some point, he says, it's about a pair of shoes, but I didn't steal them, I swear. Basically, to paraphrase, those weren't his exact words, I'm sure. And Zero kind of, you know, gives him a look. He starts getting more interested in Stanley after he says things like that. It's because he starts to put two and two together and realizes something that will lead to their connection. What else should I talk about? Stanley and Zero start to build somewhat of a mild connection. Zero is this other character who's been there for a while. We find out with his backstory that he was homeless and I believe that he was either at a homeless shelter or an orphanage and he ended up there for whatever reason, right? And I can't remember if he kind of got in trouble for the shoes or You'll find quickly, and by the way, I always do spoilers for my commentary, so if you don't want a spoiler, don't listen. <laughs> so we find out pretty soon, a little later in the film, but Zero realizes that he's the one who basically got Stanley in trouble because he stole the shoes and he's the one who threw them on the bridge and they ended up on Stanley, and Stanley got booked for it. I don't remember the real reason why Zero's there outside of the fact that he's homeless, he doesn't have resources, he was abandoned by his mom as a kid, he used to like live at a park. I mean, him and Stanley even talk about this when they get a little closer as they build their friendship and he, they talk about this park and Stanley's like, oh yeah, I used to love that park. And you know, Zero's like, oh yeah, yeah, I used to sleep there, you know? And it's such a jarring moment of silence that it's sad when you're realizing oh my life's not great but your life is really not great and these are children you know they're teenagers but they're children still and the dark effects like i said before of being an orphan which isn't unusual for kid themes abandonment theft all those things that's interesting so outside of the themes and outside of them building their friendship there are constant flashbacks to sort of this magical aspect of how this curse came about for Stanley's family and also the origin story for the camp. So the camp used to be like this thriving town and these like this rich guy made a lot of money off of like a, a river or whatever that used to be there before it dried up and you know it was a really small town they had like a, one school so on and so forth and he was really infatuated by this Kate lady who was a teacher at the time you know like girl next door sort of vibes but she was a teacher and she was really loving and really kind to her students and there was this black man who lived in the town and I say black man specifically because you can tell this is an older time and pretty much the whole town seems to be white except for this man whose name is Sam. His name is Sam. Okay, that's what I thought. And he also lives in that town. He's really kind. He sells these really sweet onions that he swears by, which will come back into play for this film in the present time. 
and slowly but surely he builds sort of a, a love for Kate and Kate reciprocates that love and this rich guy, this rich white guy who lives in the town is obsessed with Kate and like he feels like he can own everything just because he has money and he has power and basically he catches them kissing and he threatens to kill Sam and ultimately gets a, like a gang of guys and like murders Sam. Again, super intense for Disney, but still a really good plot line. And Kate's like heartbroken and outraged. And I think they even like set the school on fire. It's all this like chaos. And to me, it really reminded me of like old-time lynchings but not as graphic but I mean yeah it has that same dark theme and dark reality of like interracial situations small town mostly white black man white woman crazy that I made that connection I don't think so I think that's kind of what happened back then and it's crazy and insane but it happened and you know, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, I know this is gonna go bad for Sam. I know this is gonna go bad for Sam. He's so sweet. Why is this happening? You know? And so that all happens. And eventually you find out that Kate becomes like kissing Kate. And she goes back and seeks her revenge on those guys that killed Sam. And after she kills them, she gives them a kiss. And that is very badass, femme fatale, interesting plot line for 2003. Okay? And I like it. I like it a lot. For the plot, not in general. Okay, let's be clear. So that's the kind of dark history behind that location where the camp is. Kate goes on like years and years and years seeking revenge and beating people's asses and she racks up a lot of treasure and money along the way and she has hidden it somewhere in that camp and that rich old white guy who becomes super poor by the time they're much older because the water dried up and basically karma came back to get him the town's not thriving anymore it's almost non-existent and he can't make any profits and now he's looking for that treasure and that money and he spends the rest of his miserable life looking for it and never finds it but he also when he's older forces his young granddaughter to also search for that money and she spends most of her life looking for it and she just happens to be the modern day warden who is in charge of the camp and this unravels this whole plot of the holes being you know it's supposed to be this camp for boys but really what it is is uh, free labor from these teen boys so that they can exploit them and anytime you know the boys are digging holes it's supposed to be a certain size you know width height whatever and they have to get it done by a certain time and anytime they find anything they're supposed to report it to the warden if they find anything worthwhile they get a day off just all these things but ultimately the guys are doing free labor and they are finding unknowingly looking for and finding this treasure that the warden feels belongs to her because I don't know if she owns the land but I think her grandfather did so it probably got passed down to her and basically they're just doing this whole illegal thing and keeping out details and they don't really care about those boys they just do just enough to get what they want 
that's deep huh so from that point on go through all this growth with Stanley and Zero and Stanley starts to teach Zero how to read Zero starts to help him with his digging the hole that creates a lot of tension because people feel like well you're not digging your own holes and he gets taken to the warden a few times where <laughs> she has like this poison nail polish and she like slaps Mr. Sir or like throws it at him or something with it and it's a really interesting cool scene there's like the poison I think from those lizards that keep coming back and at some point Stanley almost gets like attacked by one <laughs> it's just a lot going on but you get the gist of the summary that I'm giving and the connection to Stanley's family curse branches like I said flashbacks intertwines with throughout the film and there's this little story sort of like a folk tale of this guy who works on this like property I think he's just like a farmhand like he works on a small farm for this this boss and he falls in love or he thinks he falls in love with that guy's daughter and he really wants to marry her but he feels like he has nothing to offer and so this guy's like oh well bring me a, a prized pig like a you know whatever this other guy wants to marry my daughter and he has this what do you have okay so he goes to who's known as madame zaroni played by the eartha kit okay i i had to freak out and pause the film when i saw eartha kit i was like not the eartha kit if you don't know who eartha kit is shame on you go search her name and you'll find out and you'll also find that you've heard of her, you just didn't know it. Okay. Anyway, after I freaked out and resumed the film, I uh, watched as Madame Zeroni pretty much set up this exact curse onto Stanley's family. <laughs> and basically she's like, okay, I'll give you, you know, this pig and you'll win her heart. Are you sure you wanna win her heart? Because I don't, she's not really, a catch and he's like yeah yeah I'm sure basically I'm paraphrasing with basically what she says he's like she's like okay well you know you could also like go to the states and do this you know I think she says her son did that all these little weird things that are just like what are you talking about and then they get back to the curse again and she says okay but you have to promise I'll give you what you want right but you have to promise that you'll come back and you'll like carry me up this hill and we'll both have good luck blah 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 and so he goes, he gets what he wants, and he, which is the pig, or whatever the animal was, and he goes up and he offers the pig and asks for the daughter's hand in marriage, and at the same time this other guy's trying to ask for her hand in marriage, and he's kind of creepy, ugh, I don't like him, and the dad asks his daughter, you know, who do you want to be with, whatever, and she's like, I don't really know, and ultimately she like can't make a decision and the guy's just sitting there like mm, I don't want to marry her and he goes and throws himself a pity party and he forgets to take Madame Zeroni back up the hill and so he gets cursed that's the downfall like he didn't follow the full instructions thoroughly and he gets cursed and he does eventually stop throwing himself a pity party and then goes to the US or wherever he ends up going to after that situation. He did not do what he was supposed to though. He did not go back to Madame Zeroni and now the family's cursed, blah, blah, blah. And present day, we 
again have another connection outside of the shoes uh, with Zero and Stanley, but Zero's real name is Hector Zeroni, which means that Madame Zeroni was like his great-great-great-grandmother, just like Stanley's grandfather at that time. Great-great-great-great-grandfather. I don't know how many greats are, but there's quite a few greats, okay? You get the picture. And so that's their other connection. Basically, their curses and their realities and their past and their lineage is intertwined and so is that specific location and just with the things that happen there and the theories and things like that right and so one day I don't really remember why I think uh, zero actually yes I do I think zero just has had enough and this doctor is really always on Zero's ass. Like, he is beyond bullying. He's always digging, you know, Zero into the ground. Like, he is just always being an asshole to this child. And one day, you know, Zero is fed up and they all think that he can't talk just because he chooses not to talk. And granted, he doesn't know how to read, but he's not stupid, okay? He just didn't have access to those resources. And so this doctor is like, oh, I bet you can't even spell blah, 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 whatever he says. And then Zero proceeds to say exactly what he said and says, oh, that I can spell it and this is what it means. I don't remember what word or whatever phrase they said. And he gets his shovel and I think he like throws it at the doctor or hits him in the head and he runs off. And he says, I'm not digging any more holes, whatever he's done. But obviously no one goes after him because they're kind of like, oh, well, he's just going to come back or he's going to die. It's hot out there. Where, where is he going? But he's just determined and he leaves. And I think there's a decent time frame where Stanley and all the other guys are kind of wondering what's up with him. But like he's out there on his own and Stanley kind of overhears all the adults in charge, the three adults in charge talk about how basically... They don't care about him. They're even setting up like this plan on what to say when his remains are found. Like they don't give any fucks. And Stanley kind of walks in mid, you know, conversation and says, I care what happens to him. So yeah, how about that? And basically their overall, the adults overall reasoning um, of being comfortable with saying that is one, they're terrible people. And two, he doesn't have any family to go home to. So it won't matter is basically their excuse. And that's, oh, so evil and disgusting. And ultimately, Stanley ends up running away. He tries to, like, steal the truck, uh, but that fails because it falls into a hole. Uh, he didn't bring any water with him. How terrible. And he runs off to find Zero. And I think what really hits him running to go find Zero is one, because they did you know, establish a good friendship. He really does care about Zero. And they already have filled Zero's place. Like a new kid comes in and takes his place as if Zero, you know, left. And another reason why I think that happens is because, again, they were the adults were plotting um, and planning for him not to return, but also weren't planning to search for him, which is illegal, I'm sure. Uh, but they really want those holes dug. They don't care. They're trying to find that money and they don't care about anything else. And so Stanley runs off and he eventually does find Zero 
and his lawyer actually visits when he's disappeared and now Stanley the adults worry about not because they care about him but because he does have a family and he has a lawyer who's trying to currently get him freed from his case because you know he is innocent and they're just trying to prove that he's innocent and you know she's good showing up there and she's like where's Stanley why can't I see Stanley blah 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 you can't see Stanley you know they made up their excuse but you can't see him because he's not there he's freaking gone uh, but they don't want her to know that obviously they'll get in legal trouble and then they'll be investigated as they should be but clearly they don't want that because they'll then it'll dig up all this dirt literally so go backtrack to stanley finding zero in the hot desert under this like abandoned little rowboat uh where they find these th this thing that i think they call it sploosh um, and it's really sweet, but clearly it's old and it's dusty and it's, I don't, I want to say expired probably, but they note that it tastes like peaches, which again will come into play the story. Stanley's trying to tell Zero, no, we need to go back because we'll literally die. I didn't even bring water. We need to go back. And Zero's like, I'm not going back. There's nothing to go back to, basically is what he's saying. And somehow he convinces Stanley to not go back and they decide for some reason that they're gonna climb the top of the mountain that's close by and they do end up doing that and you know it's a success for them and they're really cheerful about it and they say that you know the mountain looks like God's thumb or like a thumb and when they get up there they find uh, those sweet onions that Sam from a long time ago uh, used to sell and obviously they're growing and they're not just sitting there from the time that Sam had them, but, and they eat them and they're very sweet. And so the guys don't go hungry or anything. And they also find water as well. So they don't get super dehydrated. Uh, so that saves them. So going up that mountain basically saves them. And um, Zero does have a hard time because he was out there a little longer than Stanley. And Stanley actually carries him over the mountain which his great-great-grandfather was supposed to do years ago. And because Hector is a Zeroni and Stanley was connected to his grandfather, they were able to unleash the curse. What are the odds? Only in Disney. <laughs> and that unleashes the curse, not only for Stanley, but for his family. And his dad happens to find a cure for foot odor and they end up later calling that sploosh. And he finds that the solution is a mixture of onions, sweet onions, and peaches. What are the odds of that? And when Stanley and Zero do decide to go home, it's after they've climbed the mountain and they're sort of refreshed and they feel accomplished. They've released the curse, which they didn't necessarily know was a thing, but you know, it happens and it's unleashed. And then they go back and on the way they find the treasure. I can't exactly remember how they find it, but they do. And they are found by those adults uh, who own the camp and the warden, sir, uh, Mr. Sir and doctor, because I think they actually went out to try and find them because the lawyer was on their ass. I don't really remember the details either way. They find Kissing Kate's treasure. The whole reason why, you know, the warden has been digging holes because her great-great-grandfather was doing this. And 
you know, traces back to Kate's, kissing Kate's story and Sam's story and its intertwining. And that, you know, that figure that Stanley saw at the beginning of the film was sort of like a ghost-like figure or spirit of Sam and what you realize later. And anyway, they can't get out of the hole where they found the treasure um, because there are a bunch of lizards and, you know, they're dirty, you know, they smell like onions, as you say, onions are tired, but they're standing there all night, basically, holding the treasure with these lizards all over them. And they're scared they're gonna get bit and die of poison, which, by the way, is the same way that Kissing Kate died, but it was suicide. She wanted to die. And she let the lizard, like, bite her. And she said, sayonara, bitches. Basically, that's what she said because the last person she talked to was that evil rich guy that killed Sam. So, yeah, she was pretty pissed. Um, but I think she had realized, like, oh, I'm done. I got my revenge. I live my life. I'm done. And, again, what a dark theme for Disney. And it's quite explicit in the way that she kills herself. And uh, I'm just saying. And so we're back into that hole where... Zero and Stanley are in after they unleashed the curse, or they broke the curse, and the warden and all of them are basically monitoring them all night into the morning, just waiting for the boys to get bit or something to happen to where they can get the treasure that they've been looking for all this time, which never ends up happening. Uh, the lawyer gets there, they get caught, they're, you know, hiding files, erasing files, all this stuff. And the cops have, you know, stated they have basically a warrant to be able to research um, and do some digging over the camp. Clearly, these boys' lives would have been lost beforehand. You know, they crack down on all of that. Uh, when Stanley and Zero get out, um, I think it's because Stanley was, like, pissed off about something that the adults said. And he jumps out and he realizes the lizards aren't even going to bite him. And the reason why is that onion smell. That's why they didn't get bit. And then Zero jumps out, and they realize that the treasure actually has Stanley's name on it. Interesting. And I think Stanley, like, spelled backwards, it's supposed to have some other significance. Why can't I think of it? But anyway, his name is on it, and so therefore it belongs to him, right? <laughs> what are the odds? And, you know, the warden, her whole plan is ruined, her camp's gonna be investigated. You know, it starts to rain for the first time in God knows how knows how many years, you know, and the boys are celebrating, um, you know, the warden, the doctor, and Mr. Sir are all going to be in that police car, basically. They find out that, you know, the warden's been exploiting these boys and allowing it to go on, and this is after the lawyer comes back and finds them in a hole and, you know, saves the day, basically, and... They find out that the doctor's not really a doctor and Mr. Sir is like on parole. Just all these dirty ass things. It's just like, how did they even get to this point? <laughs> anyway, ultimately Hector, aka Zero, and Stanley get their happy ending. You know, um, Stanley is able to buy a house for his family and they have their own brand called Sploosh for the foot odor and Zero and Stanley become neighbors. Zero's able to find his mother and they reconcile and they both, you know, share the profits of that and basically build like family dynamics but, but neighbors and friendships. And Stanley seems to stay in contact with the boys from the camp and it's a really happy ending which 
Of course it is. I mean, even that celebrity whose shoes were, like, stolen, he does, like, a commercial with the swoosh, and, you know, they really tie everything together and wrap everything up. And I think overall, the cast, the direction of the film, whoever directed it, um, let me go back to that. I usually said that at the beginning, but I was just really trying to get through this. Where are you, director? Okay, the director, Andrew uh, Davis, really had a vision with this film, and it showed, and I really, really liked the choices made in this film. And, you know, like I said, the cast is wonderful. I think the plot is interesting, and I think Holes is one of those films that you'll really enjoy if you go back and take the time to watch it. And now for my usual segment where I read off the quotes. Okay, so here's a quote that I thought was interesting enough to screenshot. Young Warden. Okay, also, just like a heads up, you probably recognize this from like a meme, okay? Um, Young Warden. I'm tired of this grandpa and then her grandfather says well that's too damn bad you keep digging and then the young warden says well excuse me and then Mr. Pedinsky who's also like Dr. Pedinsky says D-I-G what does that spell and Zero says after taking the shovel in Hitting him across the face with it, dig. Mr. Sir says, You Girl Scouts want to hear a story? Once upon a time, there was a magical place where it never rained. The inn. The new Snickers. Madame Zeroni says, If only, if only, the woodpecker sighs, the bark on the tree was as soft as the skies. The wolf waits below, hungry and lonely, and cries to the moon, if only, if only. The doctor says, no one cares about Hector Zeroni. And Stanley says, I do. Mr. Sora says, Stanley, Yale Nets. The fourth? And Stanley says, Everyone in my family names their son Stanley. Because it's Yale Nets backwards. It's this little tradition. Hey, now I remember what it spells backwards. The Warden Walker says, This is my special nail polish. I make it myself. You want to know my secret ingredient? Rattlesnake venom. I just love what it does to the coloring. It's perfectly harmless when it's dry. Zigzag sings. You gotta go and dig those holes with broken hands and withered souls. Emancipated from all you know, you gotta go and dig those holes. Alright, well, that's all for my commentary today. I hope this inspires you to go watch Holes, 
and I don't think you'll regret it. And it was nice talking to you. Have a great day. If you forget to come back for Madame Zeruni, you and your family will be cursed for always and eternity.